Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and around the world, this is your host for the David Harris Jr. Show. Hello, friends. David J. Harris Jr. here with another amazing show and podcast for you. And I have the honor and privilege of having a very good friend of mine. I've got to know him pretty good over the last couple years. He's an amazing individual. He is very well connected, very much understands what's going on inside of our country. And he's got some inside information on what we should all be doing about this COVID-19 crisis, as well as we're going to talk and break down some of what we just heard from the president today at his his address to the country and literally the world, but to the country uh, declaring a state of emergency, a national uh, emergency for this coronavirus. So my guest and good friend, Mr. Gary Haven. Gary, so honored and privileged. One second, let me get you up here. All right. So honored and privileged to have you with me today, my brother. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your very extremely busy schedule to uh, to hop on my show today. Thank you, David. It's it's great to see you. Uh, I appreciate your leadership uh, on this sort of thing. Uh, your leadership with the with the reelection of the president and and uh, uh, you, you suggested that I introduce myself so people know who I am and with yes, what please authority do. I speak. Uh, I'm the uh, former founder and chairman of the board of Curves, the world's largest fitness franchise. Uh, we do business in uh, 80 countries. And uh, I have a degree in health and nutrition. I've written two New York Times, two New York Times bestsellers on uh, uh, women's fitness and health. And uh, I have, um, you know, been privileged to uh, have time to, to study and to read and to to communicate with people of knowledge. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm working with the Baylor College of Medicine on a new immunotherapy treatment for cancer that's very, very promising. Wow. So a few weeks ago, when this thing started to, to gear up, I was in meetings with uh, a group of PhD in microbiology. And also my good friend who had brought down from the Cleveland Clinic. We're gonna talk about Ohio here in a minute. My friend uh, who was on my board at Curves, uh, I was the chairman of the board of Jenny Craig, by the way, uh, and he was on that board with me as well. Uh, he's one of the top doctors at the Cleveland Clinic. In fact, his job is to oversee the employee health uh, uh, care of 65,000 doctors, nurses, and medical personnel. Wow. So he and I have been talking a lot about what's coming and how we protect uh, the medical community from being infected by this thing. And so uh, I've spent a lot of time on it. I had a meeting with the governor of Texas uh, two days ago and uh, 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 encouraging the governor to, to step up and, and not lead from behind, which is what I believe the president has been doing all along. So uh, I watched the governor's uh, uh, press conference today and I was so frustrated with it that I immediately wrote him and, and said, I'm very disappointed uh, uh, in, in, in what you did today. And uh, uh, his assistant wrote me back and said she was handing to the governor. And of course, I'm sure he was watching the president. So I haven't had a, a talk with him yet, but I'm going to share those frustrations with you today uh, as we talk about uh, uh, what's going on right now. And by the way, the, the leadership that I'm providing 
for example, I met with my county commissioners in, in, in my county yesterday and got them all on board getting ahead of this thing. I met with my city commission uh, the day before that. In fact, the mayor called me uh, uh, a few hours ago and told me that in our small town, we just got our first case. And uh, he thanked me for, for challenging everybody to get ahead of this thing and apologized because he wasn't taking it seriously. Now that we have a case in a town of 15,000 people, uh, it's, uh, it's suddenly become very, very real. And so just, so that, and just uh, so that my viewers are aware, is this virus, this current coronavirus, is it the type of pandemic that should concern all of us? And I really want to make this clear before we jump into some of the details and then talk about some of the individuals, Governor Abbott of Texas, the mayor that you're talking about and the the uh, officials that you're that you've been speaking to and about to sh- sharing with them the information that you're about to share with us. It is waking them up to understand and realize that we need to do something. So you're you're you shared with me yesterday when we talked on the phone, you were comparing this to something from 100 years ago, uh, the Spanish flu. And that had absolutely devastating effect. It was like a plague. Uh, are you putting this, what we're currently dealing with, on that scale? I don't want to alarm anybody, but this is worse than the Spanish flu. Wow. So that and has I'll, our attention. I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you why I believe that. You ready? Yes. What we know about this this coronavirus is that uh, number one, it is highly, highly contagious. You know, with with the typical flu and even with Spanish flu, uh, you were not contagious asymptomatically more than a few days. With the coronavirus, you're contagious asymptomatically, not just for 14 days perhaps not even just for 24 days, but evidence is showing as much as a month. So we're all traveling together, aircraft, going to meetings, asymptomatically infectious. Uh, That's uh, that makes us more dangerous than the Spanish flu. Uh, The who on Tuesday a week ago said that the death rate was 3.4. the that's uh, globally. traditional flu. They're, they're saying it's globally, right? Uh, that's correct. Uh, uh, interesting side note. I just looked up the numbers for Italy today. Uh, Italy has a death rate of 6.66, which is an interesting number. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not good. Uh, I'm laughing. It's not funny. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, and not laughing and, at the deaths, obviously. That's just an eerie, odd... Um, Mm-hmm. Com- uh, airy odd coincidence. So, due to the 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 infectious nature of this, particularly being uh, asymptomatically, uh, this is not going to be stopped. Uh, a, a head epidemiologist at Harvard last week said that uh, forty to seventy percent of Americans uh, uh, are going to get this infection. And how the death rate how valid do you think that is? Uh, it's it's uh, you know what, Dave, this is so important. It's just math. Hmm. It, you know, you can argue with me or anybody else, but you can't argue with the math. And it's True. exponential math. Everybody has trouble understanding exponential math. 
Yeah. It's kind of like compound interest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, let's say today in America, we have 10,000 cases. Uh, and first of all, we don't know that because the CDC uh, uh, horribly dropped the ball on the ability to test in this country. And we'll talk about that in a little more detail. So we don't really know. Uh, the president today did a great job in, in getting private enterprise involved with, uh, with getting the testing up. Uh, I don't want to criticize him too harshly, but this should have been done a month ago. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of the problem we have uh, is this. This, th- this is a quote from the governor of Washington State. We have to start focusing on what's coming, not on what's here today. And right. unfortunately, uh, my my governor, uh, the, the president, uh, has been focused on today. They've been reactive rather than proactive. So let's let's do, do a little exercise in math very quickly. If if there's ten thousand cases today in America, and again we ought to know that, but we don't. Uh, and in fact, they're they're saying there's eleven hundred uh, uh, verified cases, but it's only because we haven't tested. And and and. When the CDC or the president stands up and says, uh, you know, a week and a half ago, we had uh, 50 cases and we had 62 and we had 110. And today we've got about 1,100. Uh, if you don't give the disclaimer, which the disclaimer is, but we haven't tested it anybody. In fact, right. as of Sunday, we don't affected as of Sunday, we'd only tested 700 people in our country. Uh, it's a policy called don't test, don't tell. Uh, the communist Chinese practice. That's that an as actual well. policy. Uh, well, it, it, I believe it is, and I, and I, I hate to say it, but it, it it kept the you know the truth for the American people. You know, maybe it was to keep us from panicking, but you know, there's a there's a there's a spectrum from information to panic. They're not the same spot on the spectrum. And I told the governor in my meeting with him. Look, you need to move down the spectrum because people need to be informed so that they can make informed decisions. So anyway, let's do a little math exercise. There's 10,000 Americans with it. We know it, probably many, many more than that. It, it doubles every three and a half days. So if you do a little math, by the end of April, there's going to be a million Americans infected by this with a death rate of 3.4. So we're going to have, by the end of April... Uh, 34,000 people that have died from this. Then if you do the math through May, we'll do the math through May exponentially, exponentially uh, by the end of the May, end of May, the number is going to be so extreme uh, and the death rate so high. And we need to recognize the exponential curve here. Dr. Foxy, uh, uh, who was on the uh, press event with the president, who I have a lot of respect for, by the way, talked a lot uh, about uh, taking this exponential curve and make it making it linear. And yeah, so I actually have that clip. That. I have that clip of Dr. Yeah. Uh, Fauci. Uh, I'm going to show that in just a minute. Before we get into that, okay. I want to ask you what you think about this. This is the mayor of Ohio, DeWine. Uh, sharing that he believes that he has over a hundred thousand people infected in his in his state. Take a look at this. And of course, the number of people who are testing positive is going to go up. So those numbers are going to go up uh, rather dramatically but in the next in the next few. Days. To be clear, Governor, that 
I mean, you're talking about a hundred thousand undiagnosed cases walking around in your state today. You're saying that the state expects that those cases to double every six days, but there's only a thousand testing kits that you know of. What Dr. Acton tells me, and I I rely on the experts, I'm certainly not the expert, but, uh, you know, we're going to reach a point uh, in this country, not just in Ohio, uh, where it's not going to be too long when they're not going to have the capacity to test everybody. And we're just going to have to move move on from there, because if you get, you know, a million people, two million people, obviously you're not going to be testing them at that point. So, look, would we like more testing kits? Yeah, we would. But we're in the same boat everybody else is. We're not we're not unique, but we do have capacity coming online in regard to our hospitals. And so you're going to see the tests that are being done are going to go up dramatically. And when they go up, you're going to see the number of of people who test positive go up. But the steps that we took. So right there, the governor of Ohio is he kind of he's he's reiterating some of the points that you just made, that the numbers are going to double every single every two days. And that's just math. So I'm not sure where he comes out with that hundred thousand number, but it seems like he's trying to at least, if nothing else, sound the alarm and let the American people know and let his own state know that it's serious. Yeah, I tell you what, I, uh, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm astounded at the number, but I'm, I'm amazed at his courage to be willing to stand up and say that. You know, the CDC has been holding up these numbers and, and claiming that uh, we're in great shape. Uh, and of course, those numbers are, are, are inherently dishonest. If you're going to say those numbers, you got to say, well, we haven't tested anybody yet, much like the governor has just done. You know, one of my uh, very close friends is the, is the uh, uh, in charge of the employee health care at Cleveland Clinic in Ohio. Uh, he oversees the health care of uh, 65,000 doctors, nurses, and and, uh, and hospital personnel. So he's he's right there with the governor in the center of this hot zone that's happening. But we have hot zones all over the country. We just haven't tested. And, and the lack of testing is a failure of a federal government. And now we're catching up. Uh, but we certainly can't make any claim that we're doing pretty good because we don't know. It's been a no test, no tell policy up to this point. So with the, what our, our listeners need to realize is that uh, uh, it, it's, ex, it's exponential numbers. Uh, uh, we, we know the uh, infection rate is going to be astounding. And by the way, the governor just validated what I had to say about the Harvard epidemiologist who, who says we can't prevent infections. Uh, uh, so we're going to have 40 to 70 percent of Americans catch this in the, in the coming weeks. And so, you know, what do you do? And, and I'm going to tell you the answer to that. Uh, you test, 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 and you you quarantine, quarantine and quarantine. And my advice to the governor, and by the way, I sent my advice to the president as well. Uh, uh, I think he received because I sent it through through uh, uh, Tommy Hicks, the co-chair of the Republican Party. Uh, and Tommy had a long conversation uh, with me the other day. And at the end of the conversation, he, says, he said, you know, this is sobering. This is sobering. And, I, and he said, I'm going to study it and I'm going to sleep on it tonight. And I said, Tommy, because uh, he has access to the president. I said, when you wake up tomorrow, what are you going to do with the information? You know, not only... Uh, is that going to, if the president gets in front of this and unfortunately relying on the bad information of the CDC, for example, uh, they have been saying that the chances of getting this are minimal and that's absolute nonsense. 
uh, and they've been saying it's much like a flu, the death rate of flu is 0.1. The death death rate of this is probably 3.4. That's 34 times more deadly uh, than, than the flu. You know, on Monday, the president said, you know, this this will go away. And, and oh, my gosh, and I'm, I'm watching this. You know, everybody's focused on, uh, you know, what's going on today. When we have the perfect time machine in Italy, Italy is us in three weeks. And so what's wow. going on in Italy? You know, in, in Italy uh, had its first case three weeks ago. And today in Italy, there were 15,000 cases in uh, the death uh, 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 total was, uh, uh, I looked it up a minute ago, it was about 1,000. It was, a, as I mentioned a minute ago, a death rate of 6.666. But the other thing in Italy that we need to realize is that the healthcare system has been overrun. You're familiar with the military term, uh, broken arrow? Well, the yes, Italian healthcare system is broken arrow. There's such a shortage of ventilators that they're literally having to choose who lives or die in Italy today. And they're, they're looking at uh, uh, 46 year old man with two kids uh, versus a 60 year old guy. And they're choosing who gets to the ventilator and who dies. Uh, David, we're going to be there in, in four or five weeks in our country. I had a and message. We, speaking of Italy, I had a message from somebody that follows me on Instagram and I'll see if I can if I can find it. But it was when the numbers that we were getting uh, here in our country were smaller when it comes to Italy. And I, I, I got this right here. She said, I'm from Italy where the coronavirus has killed. This was on Wednesday, over 850 people and infected more than 10,000. I have to say this in the first place. I like what you say, what you're doing. All of us said that nobody uh, nobody had anything to worry about. And was what was going on was because of the uh, because the coronavirus was like the flu. Well, all of that turned out to be false. We are struggling with this terrible situation, and I hope that all of you in the United States take this seriously. That's coming from somebody in Italy. So if you're saying yeah, that you we're we're three weeks away from where Italy is now, and Italy's not done with their their peak yet, it's very alarming. That's right. You know, I've got the numbers in front of me. There's 15,000 confirmed cases. And by the way, Italy actually tests people, uh, which we failed to do. Uh, and there's 1,016 deaths. Uh, that's us in three weeks. And and uh, again, I want to mention this healthcare system has actually absolutely been overrun. Uh, we are so far behind the curve on this thing. You know, it's, it's really very unusual to that you can predict the future. Uh, well, we have a time machine right here that uh, allows us to do that, and we're not paying attention to it. Uh, you know, Babe Ruth said it's really difficult to make predictions, especially about the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try to get a little humor in here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but here, here's, here's what we're going to look like. And so, what, you know, what do you do to – to take the exponential curve and make it linear. And why is that important? If you can can slow down the infection rate, and by the way, ultimately, as many people may be infected because it's not stoppable, but if you can slow down the exponential curve, then people will, will get sick more, or the numbers of people will get sick more slowly and it may be more manageable in our healthcare system. 
So my advice to the governor was, look, ask the people of our state to voluntarily do a few things. And let me read them to you real quick. Uh, First of all, strongly recommend um, that all public gatherings be avoided immediately. Second, suggest that schools and universities cease normal classroom activities and go to teleconferencing uh, classes. Which we're seeing a lot of. I know Jerry Falwell Jr. of Liberty University, they've, they've, I think, uh, uh, they've started down that yep. path where they're doing school that they people can the students can stream whatever the teacher is teaching mm-hmm. right from their own rooms. Uh, I believe that's sure. catching yeah, on around the country as well. Yeah. And here's my point I made to the governor. Uh, 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 public health health policy shouldn't be set by private individuals. It sh- should be set by the leaders in our government. Yes. So instead of letting and by the way, University of Texas, uh, uh, suspended all classes on Monday, uh, Texas A&M did today. And this course is going all over the country, which yeah. is good. But it shouldn't be individuals and organizations that are setting public policy. It should be the leadership of the president and, and the governors. So I'm telling True. the governor, look, get out there and, and say, look, look, these are good ideas. These are my guidelines. They're not mandatory. They will be, by the way, in a few weeks. But today, we can take that exponential curve and flatten it out so that we can can give our healthcare uh, uh, providers uh, a fighting chance to, to deal with the numbers of people that are coming in. Let so me, you've uh, been sharing this. Words. You've been sharing this information yeah. with your your uh, leaders, your your uh, officials, and and even the governor of Texas uh, and and other individuals for how long now? Weeks now? Yeah, I, I saw it coming about a month ago. And, uh, uh, I, you know, as a, as a, uh, a CEO, you know, my job was to cast the vision, you know, to be able to see the future and, and bring everybody along to that. So it's one of my gifts. Uh, so trying to get uh, our, our leaders to look at what's coming rather than what's here today is something I've, I've been, I felt like a, a the lone voice in the wilderness, uh, uh, uh shouting this out. Let me finish this list here real quick, David. Yes. Uh, public events should be canceled, like fairs, rodeos, concerts, church service, et cetera. And, you know, we had the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo canceled uh, a couple days ago. We had South by Southwest. Good things. But unfortunately, it wasn't coming from the advice of the president or the or the governor. They're leading from behind on this on this terrible situation, Rand. Mm. Companies and government offices should encourage all employees to work from home, if able, uh, public transportation should be avoided. And this is a big one. You know, I have a uh, airline transport rated pilot's license. I'm a 16,000 hour jet pilot. Uh, commercial airline travel, uh, and, and cruise ships, uh, uh, should be, should be avoided. Uh, in a few weeks, David, maybe four or five at the most, there'll be no domestic airline flights in this country. And I'll wow. tell you why. The CDC is saying that this uh, is transmittable uh, through droplets and through surfaces. But what we now know is this is very likely airborne. And how, how do we know that it's not airborne? Admitted. Well, uh, uh, there's several examples, and, and, but I want to make that point. CDC is saying it is not airborne. Right. Uh, there, Which is giving a people ground. a cause for, you know, lacks of, of concern. Yeah. Yeah, I think if people understood that yeah. it was actually airborne and there's cases to support that, 
I think Americans would take yeah. the whole isolation, self-quarantining uh, matter a little bit more seriously. Yeah, and they, would go, they wouldn't go to places that they're, they're going to now. Uh, when I decided that it was airborne, it was when the uh, cruise ship docked off of Yokohama. There were 10 cases when it was put into quarantine. Uh, 14 days later, there were 700 cases. These people were, were, were locked into their cabins and kept apart from each other. But you have a common airflow going through all the cabins. Wow. When it went from 10, 10 to 700, it was clear that it was an airborne uh, transmittable uh, yeah, illness. Yeah, there's, there's no way that could have come from contact. Yeah, and the other way we know it's airborne is that the Surgeon General last Thursday came out and told the American people, don't buy N95 masks. They don't do any good. Well, N95 masks filter only to about four microns. And this virus is, is um, in point four microns. This virus is point one micron. So these masks. So, so you're saying the masks that everybody's buying up that you can't even get on Amazon really aren't even doing anything? Well, Surgeon General said that on Thursday of last week. So, <laughs> so the Surgeon yeah, General I, said that. So I guess yeah. we could stop trying to order masks <laughs> and prepare in other ways. Yeah. yeah you know, uh, we're going to talk in a minute about what you do personally. Uh, uh, to to uh, avoid getting this. And by the way, I, I suspect I'm going to get it uh, at some point in time. But my plan is to not get it during the first wave. Mm. If I can avoid getting it the first wave, they're going to have developed treatments for this that don't exist today. Yeah, so I think it's worth the effort to, to avoid it now uh, and, and uh, uh, expect to get it later when it's treatable. What do you say to this? This is the president from his uh, from his state from his State of the Union or just a press conference from the White House on the coronavirus. As far as who is most threatened by this, uh, let's listen to what the president says. I want to have I want to hear what you have to say about it right after this clip. It's about uh, thirty seconds. While the risks to young and healthy Americans remains very low, yes, we've learned a lot about this over the last two weeks. Anyone can be a carrier for the virus and risk transmission to older Americans and those with underlying health conditions and those who are most at risk. They have not done very well. Older Americans who are, especially if they have a health problem, they have not done well. We must take all precautions and be responsible for the actions that we take and that we see other people take. So he's basically saying that it is not uh, it's it's the elderly. It's not really anybody else. Uh, what are your comments on that? Yeah, the, you know, there's some good news. Uh, no child under the age of nine has died anywhere in the world. That's and good. I've got grandkids, so I'm very, very excited about that. But we've all got uh, grandparents. Well, I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the vulnerable populations, there's three groups. There's the elderly, uh, there's the infirmed, people with, that have uh, heart disease or COPD, asthma, things like that. Uh, and then there's the first responders and the healthcare providers. So my, one of my advice to the, to the governor was that they certainly restrict visitation at the uh, uh, nursing homes, but that they send uh, people that are in the nursing homes uh, back to their families 
uh, for the duration of this when able. Uh, yeah. Because there's no way to keep this out of nursing homes. You, right. Even if you and it would just spread visit, like crazy. Yeah. And, and the death rate for 80 years old and over is 15%. The death rate for 70 to 80 is 7.5%. And the death rate for 60 to 70 is 4%. Uh, so we, we've got to do all we can to, to protect them and get them out of the way of, uh, of what's coming. The, um, uh, the infirm, uh, we need to, to quarantine them away from, from people that are exposed to this. Uh, and, and none of this is really being uh, advised. There's, you heard today, test, 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 but you didn't hear quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. And that's advice, the second part of, of, uh, of making this, this curve linear. And, and, we're, and we're, we're falling way behind by missing this advice. Even Dr. Foxy today, you know, I, I think he's a great guy, uh, failed to say, uh, uh, anything serious about quarantine. Hmm. And, and by quarantine, I, I mean, uh, 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 staying away from crowds and don't don't get a, get on a commercial airline or, and all these sorts of things. You didn't hear any of that today. Uh, that's just common sense stuff that our leaders should be telling the American public. That's how we should be guiding public health policy uh, at this point in time. Uh, let me mention one other thing, too. There's a phenomenon called the uh, cytokine storm. Uh, are you familiar with that term yet? I've heard the term. I'm not familiar with what it, uh, it's, it's, it's meaning. Yeah, let me teach your, your listeners what, the, what that means. Please. Uh, this is a, a, a deep lung infection. In fact, our, our, our body is susceptible to, to, to the coronavirus through something called ACE2 receptors, which are primarily located in the lungs. And we, we get pneumonia from this. That's how it kills hmm. virtually everyone. And um, uh, when you get pneumonia, if you're young and healthy like you, uh, you, your immune system is so effective that it does a massive response to the infection in your lungs. Unfortunately, that response uh, puts you at risk because your lungs begin to swell uh, and this inflammation uh, uh, begins to, to uh, have a detrimental effect on your alveoli and its ability to exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide. So the healthier you are, the worse the cytokine storm is, the doctor in Wuhan that became the hero uh, by speaking out and then went back to work and died uh, is a really good example. He was only 34 years old. Wow. Yeah, I think we've forgotten that, too, So that he was just 34. He was he was healthy. He was in the medical profession and he was dealing with this virus head on and he's not here anymore. So if it's. You know, the president said, and we hear from most media, most of the deaths are elderly, yet there are individuals. I'm not sure how the guy is doing the lawyer in New York, but I believe he's in his mid thirties, very healthy individual, not ever sick, his wife said. And last I heard he was, he was getting better and then he was clinging for his life again. I, I haven't heard where he's at, but that's, that's alarming to, to hear and to know that that is happening to people in their thirties, uh, and older. Yeah, I want to tell tell everybody that's listening. Uh, uh, all of us have to take this seriously, and you know, we we all have some kind of contact with older people, grandparents, and uh, and, and such. So, uh, 
uh, here at my ranch, uh, I've got a thousand acres, high fence, a gate that closes. Uh, uh, as of today, uh, we have quarantined for the next 90 days here on my ranch. Uh, my in-laws are in their 80s. They live here. And I, my grandkids are as young as uh, is 18 months. So I'm quarantining my grandchildren so that they can still be around me and their great-grandparents. Uh, we're, we're, we're all uh, uh, loose. Uh, we're all links, loose uh, links to, to each other. Yeah. And uh, and it's and the same thing exists in the in the community. Uh, we've got to protect the young from getting it, uh, uh, not necessarily because it's going to be serious for them, uh, but they're going to be the ones who who uh, infect the the older people, which which is deadly serious too. And because of the cytokine storm, even people in their in their twenties and thirties that are really healthy are at risk uh, because of the immune response. Uh, to, to pneumonia that can overwhelm uh, the lungs, uh, and, and that's what uh, uh, causes the fatalities that we're saying now. I just had a thought. I just had a thought. I'd, I'd hope you'd speak to this. I, I've been championing, as, as you have been, I believe, this, this current administration, this president. Uh, I, I, love his, I love his stances on pro-life. I love his stances on religious freedoms, and I love his stances on the border. Can you tell me your thoughts? If we were to have had a Democrat in office as president of the United States with open borders policies and, a, and an issue, a crisis like that, like this hit our country, what would have what would have our country be looking at? Well, we you know, this open borders thing is, is a real problem because, you know, I live in Texas and I used to live on the border for 25 years. So. The, the, the people on the border, across the border, that, that are going to get sick, uh, where are they going to go to get good health care? You know, it's going to be wow. a, a draw to have them come into the country. And, of course, they're going to uh, uh, they're going to raise the infection rate and cause that exponential curve to, to climb even even higher. You know, I, I tell you, kind of an interesting side note, the, the governors of New York uh, have instigated uh, – uh, uh, the limiting on gathering. Uh, they've canceled the Broadway shows, for yep. example, yesterday. They've restricted it to groups of 500 people, which is way too high. But they've done more than my governor here in Texas, who's a staunch wow. Republican. And uh, the governor of Ohio, I believe, is a Democrat. He's standing up and saying, look, we may have 100,000 cases. That's courage and boldness. The governor of, uh, of uh, Washington State, who's a, who's a Democrat, uh, is the one who, who made the statement, uh, we need to start looking at what's coming, not what's here today. I hate to say it, but uh, uh, there seems to be more uh, uh, competence in the Democrats uh, at the moment than we seem to be having with the Republicans. And as you know, I'm a big fan of the president. Yes. You know, I sent a note to the president uh, yesterday, and let me share this with you because maybe you can get it to him. Uh, our good friend Romero uh, was working the phones last night. You know, Ramiro Pena is, is, I'll introduce him to the, to the audience. Uh, is one of the few great man, great friend. He's the one that introduced President me Trump. to you actually. Yeah. And, and Dave, you and I are good friends with Ramiro. Ramiro is one of my best friends. And I sent this note to him and also to Tommy Hicks, the co-chair of the Republican party. Uh, Mr. President, uh, 
uh, your reelection and your legacy is no longer dependent on the economy. It's going to be dependent on the lives that are saved or the lives that are lost based on the decisions you make. Wow. That's pretty heavy. Say say that again. Say that again as we can really soak that in. And I'm going to make sure this clip gets yeah. uh, tweeted on its own. And I'm going to ask the, the viewers to retweet this. The president definitely needs to hear this from you, Gary Haven. Yeah, you know, I, um, I'm going to read it, read it instead of just saying it off my memory so we get it just right. And I think this was a God thing that the uh, uh, Holy Spirit gave me. Mr. President, the economy is no longer the determinant of the president's reelection nor his legacy. It's now the number of lives saved or lost, depending on your decisions in the coming days. Wow. Yeah. It, I wonder, you, as you were saying as well and sharing that so many of these Democrat governors are actually standing up with and, and delivering more of a caution to their people, while it seems like the Republicans on the side you know, they if they're if they've been following what the president has lead and he's been following, you know, I think he's been getting either misinformation or poor information, the information he's been following. Maybe they're not getting the same information. And maybe that's why we've got, unfortunately, on the in this case, so many of these Democrats that are actually taking more of a stance on executing uh, policies and and uh, telling the public what they should be doing to limit the exposure to this. Than, uh, than the Republicans have been. Maybe they're getting different information. Well, you know, the, the president is following the lead of the CDC. Right. Uh, the CDC the CDC is almost criminally negligent. Now, Why would you say that? That's a strong phrase. Well, I'll give, you, I'll give you an example, and I, and I actually said it a few minutes ago, but it's worth repeating. When they say that there's... Uh, you know, 100 cases in America, or there's 500, or now there's a thousand, and they don't give the disclaimer that we have not tested. And in a Sunday, it was 1,700 people. Without right. that disclaimer, you're committing fraud. And, and wow. again, that's a strong word. Yeah, that's so true. So the though. CDC, I think they're criminally negligent. Uh, and, and, and fortunately, the president has been following their advice. And again, minimally uh, 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 transmittable or, or contag- minimally contagious. That's that's such a profoundly stupid statement. Of course, the Republican governors they are pretty much required to follow the lead of the administration. So they're being led over a cliff over this thing. And um, the Democrats are not constrained by having to follow the 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 terrible lead of the administration at this moment. So I think that's a, the is that why like this question was asked the president today. I'll play his response. It was asked if he takes responsibility for the lack of tests. And I think that a lot of the mainstream media is has been harping on the president and his 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 falsehoods or his not giving accurate information or or tell, saying that he's misleading the people and the in the uh, uh, the uh, uh, alertness of what he should be telling us all, but listen to his response as far as if he should be taking responsibility based on the information that he's getting from the CDC. 
Dr. Fauci said earlier this week that the lag in testing was, in fact, a failing. Do you take responsibility for that? And when can you guarantee that every single American who needs a test will be able to have a test? What's the date of that? Yeah, no, I don't take responsibility at all because we were given a uh, a set of circumstances and we were given rules, regulations and specifications from a different time. Uh, wasn't meant for this kind of uh, an event uh, with the kind of numbers that we're talking about. And what we've done is redesigned it very quickly with the help of the people behind me. And we're now in very, very strong shape. I think we'll be announcing, as I said, Sunday night. And uh, this will start very quickly. And we will have, we'll have the ability to do uh, in the millions uh, over a very, very quick period of time. So... Well, there, he's not taking responsibility from the information. Expound on on what do you think is happening with the information that he's getting? Why are the people around him only giving him CDC information? Why isn't anybody sharing with him the stuff that you're sharing with us today? As far as the facts that you've laid out that are very so clear that this is very something something that should be alarming that he should be sounding the alarm, kind of like the governor of Ohio and saying, "Hey, mandatory, you should you should self isolate. You should make it mandatory to self isolate." work from home, not go to school, not go to public gatherings because this is serious and we need to flatten the curve. Like I'm going to show the video with Dr. Fauci in a minute, sharing that, share, share with us your thoughts on that. Can I, I actually have several thoughts on that. Uh, you know, in the question, she pointed out that Dr. Fauci said that it was a failure and that's correct. Uh, uh, the president uh, should have acknowledged that. And so, you know, it, 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 what he's done today with getting free enterprise involved and, and everybody mobilized, uh, he could have done that a month ago. He should have done that a month ago. Uh, was he fighting Congress like, back then or do you do you think he wasn't aware of the alarming nature of this? And so he just hadn't pulled the trigger on it yet because he was at least early with closing off the, the borders and the ports of entry from China, you know, three weeks into January. Uh, when he did that and he took a lot of heat for it. So why do you think he wouldn't make the decision a month ago that he did today as far as trying to get some extra funds to the economy to help uh, to help this current situation? He uh, didn't have um, advice from competent people around him because the CDC has been horrible uh, and, and they've misled him and supported his his uh, position of denial. By the way, we're talking to a lot of people right now that are listening to this, and I want to tell them, uh, you've got to overcome the, the defense mechanism that we all have when we're faced with, with something that's threatening. And by the way, the more threatening it is, the more creative we get with our denial. Just human nature. True. So that was part of the problem, uh, that, that, that he unfortunately was uh, you know, a victim of his own uh, uh, response the bad information he was getting from the so-called professionals. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the other thing was he's been focused on the economy. You know, he believes that the economy is going to determine whether he gets reelected or not. And when he saw it begin to crash, he was focused on doing all the economic things he could, you know, getting the feds to lower the interest rate and all this kind of stuff. Uh, he shouldn't have worried about the economy. It's it's toast. Uh, there's nothing he can do about it. 
So what would you say if you could if you could tell the president what he should focus on in the next few days, like you just said, what would what would your directions be? It would be forget about the economy and even these measures they're they're talking about payroll taxes and things like that. Uh, I wouldn't worry about that at the moment because what's coming is going to demand uh, a far greater response than any of these things. His focus should be on saving the lives of the American people, not the economy. And he should do everything he can to embrace that and get this denial out of the way and get people around him that are going to give him good advice based on reality, not the nonsense of the CDC. And if he does that, uh, and I'll tell you what it's going to look like. You know, you you were saying uh, a mandatory uh, 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 quarantining of people right now. I just say do it voluntary right now. If the American people had some good advice, you know, to get out of the way of this thing, and we're not getting that from the from the from the uh, leadership, uh, if they were given that good advice, we would start to see this thing uh, uh, become linear right now. Uh, so at least do that. And one thing that we've got to recognize this is this is probably airborne. So no one should be on a commercial aircraft right now. And he should right. ground all commercial flight, uh, all public transportation. And, uh, uh, and and I think the most important thing, and we haven't talked about it yet, is is that third population, the first uh, responders and the medical people. We've got to talk about that because they're getting bad advice from the CDC. They're being told that if you wear the mask and you wear a pair of goggles, uh, that stuff is pretty good against droplet contamination or infection. Uh, but it's worthless against airborne. And so mm. uh, our first responders and our medical personnel are following the advice of the CDC, and they're going to be in, 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 in massive harm's way. And let me give you a quick example. In Wuhan, uh, the hospital there, within three weeks, 29% of the patients were the medical personnel. 29% of the patients were the medical medical personnel. Within three weeks. Wow. Uh, and you're seeing that in, in Italy to some extent, but Italy was smart enough to make sure that their medical personnel had the proper protection. But at this moment, our CDC is saying wear a mask and, and a pair of glasses and you're going to be OK. That is deadly wrong information. So the president needs to to fire them. And, and find people that are able to see what's coming and understand it based on the evidence that is clearly available to us right now. Where do you think this uh, virus came from? Do you think there was any intentionality in the release of it? Do you think it was an accident? Just your thoughts. Well, it's clearly a level four bioweapon. It did not come from uh, from from animals in nature. Uh, if you look at the RNA samples, it was spliced with uh, HIV. It was spliced with MERS. It was spliced with SARS. This doesn't happen in nature. And again, the CDC is in absolute denial over this. But it's a where where does that knowledge come from? You're actually the second person. I have another source. 
that sent me a video, uh, sent me an audio recording from a, a friend that is close with one of the high up doctors in China and the Chinese government. And he said the exact same thing that it was, it was part uh, HIV, Merck and SARS. Yeah. Where did that well, knowledge come uh, from? Yeah. About four weeks ago, uh, a laboratory in India uh, did the analysis of it hmm. and they published a, uh, a study that was not yet peer reviewed and explained that the RNA of the protein of this virus uh, clearly had these three splices uh, uh, that were in it. Now, within a few days, uh, they were forced to pull the study down and retract it. And that study has been censored uh, uh, through, through the Internet so that people no longer know about it. So that was a, a, a very reliable source that was able to come out early. Uh, it's been weeks since I read that, uh, but they've been successful at censoring it uh, 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 over the last month. Wow. Okay, I've got. Uh, now, I, I want to show this one more clip, and then we'll we'll close it out with your thoughts on what we should uh, what we should all be doing. But here is. Um, Dr. Fossey believing that the system will now take care of itself. Uh, we'll, we'll show this one. This is on him. This is on him explaining the flattening of the curve that that uh, that we agree needs to happen. So when you have an outbreak like this, um, particularly if you're trying to interfere with it, it's really impossible to predict the time element of when it's going to peak and when it's naturally going to go down. <clears throat> so if you look at the situation where countries really did not get to the point of trying to contain and mitigate very well. You see a peak over several weeks and then down again over other several weeks. What we're trying to do with the efforts that we're doing is to blunt that peak. And I mentioned it many times, and I think it's important and appropriate for me to mention it again, because it answers your question. When you talk about preventing infections from without in, which is the kind of travel restrictions we're talking about, then how do you handle what you already have in your country? You continue some sort of containment, but you also do mitigation and you try to proportion it to the areas where there are the most infections. The success of that and how much you make this turn into this is going to give you the amount of time. If we're successful, it'll be less. If we're not successful, it's going to be more. But these kind of things generally run out in a few months. Hopefully we'll make it several weeks, eight, nine, whatever weeks. But I can't give you a number because it depends on how successful we are. So how can we as the American people be successful in what Dr. Fauci is, is suggesting in flattening that curve? To sum it all up, I think we've talked about a lot of it already, but final, yeah. final direction, declaration for all of us, what should we be doing? Well, I'm going to answer that question, but I'm going to do something Dr. Foxy said we can't do. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you the number <laughs> because it's just math. Yeah. And I, and I can do math pretty, pretty well, right? Yes, you can. Uh, there's really two things that you can do. You can test, 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 and we're getting there, but we're a month behind. Uh, and you can, you can quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. Uh, today, the press conference was 90% test and, uh, 1% quarantine. There was one slight mention about the CDC. We need to quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. Uh, it, it, uh, uh, 
uh, it should be voluntary today. It's going to be mandatory in a few weeks uh, because we're Italy. Uh, Italy, the entire country is under quarantine. People can't drive from Milan to Venice. Uh, uh, they're all shut down. The roads are literally blocked by tanks. So, wow. So what we can do today voluntarily will flatten the curve and we're not doing anything. So uh, uh, that's the first thing is a public health policy that we should be doing. Now, what should we do personally? And, and I think this is maybe the most important advice. Uh, first thing is, is if, uh, if you're a person that is in that population at risk, the elderly, the infirm, uh, uh, you need to self-quarantine now. Uh, and, and you're out of time. Uh, I'm self-quarantined today. I would recommend anybody that's able to immediately don't go to places where there's crowds. Uh, uh, if you can lock yourself in, in at home, you need to do that. And what about uh, doctor's appointments? I know I asked you yesterday. My, my wife actually has a friend, her, one of her good friends' mm -hmm. mother's mother is in her early 60s, and she had a doctor's appointment at Stanford that she was supposed to be going to follow up. And you emphatically just said, no, don't go. So for those that people out there that have doctor's appointments for other things, what are they supposed to do if they're self-quarantining? Telemedicine is the best thing. And, Telemedicine. And, um, yeah. Uh, uh, in fact, my recommendations for the medical community is to to sh to uh, uh, and, and, and by the way, here in my county, uh, I've actually been involved in setting this up. We now have a hotline where anybody that has flu like symptoms is to call the hotline and set up a telemedicine uh, phone call. Uh, do not go to the doctor's office. Do not go to the hospital, the emergency room. And in fact. We're setting up a triage tent in front of the hospital uh, in, in our town. And most hospitals around the country are beginning to do this. But by the way, <clears throat> it's not because our leaders have told them to do it. They're figuring it out on their own, and that's taking too long. So we should have a triage uh, where somebody, uh, by the way, if they show up with flu-like symptoms, they're, they're sent home immediately, and they're seen through a telemedicine system. We just don't need to see them. <coughs> in the presence of other patients or, 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 or healthcare care providers. Uh, with this illness, uh, everybody gets, uh, everybody gets ill and it's 15% uh, of the population. Uh, they develop pneumonia. So when you get pneumonia, yeah, it's time to go to the hospital, but you should be seen in a triage environment. It's negative airflow by medical personnel that are properly equipped, not just not N95 mask. And then the hospitals need to set up negative airflow rooms uh, that are that are attended by personnel that are properly equipped. And David, there's going to be a shortage of ventilators uh, in the coming weeks, and we're going to be choosing who lives and dies. So back to the personal responsibility: you self-quarantine uh, sooner rather than later. Make sure that everybody's in your quarantine with you. You know, I just had a meeting with my ranch hands, uh, and in Spanish, I said to them, guys, you know, th this is what's going on. And if you leave the ranch, uh, don't come back. Uh, uh, we're not, we're, that's how strict we are here. Uh, wow. Then we need to prepare to self quarantine for 90 days. You know, you don't need to be buying water. Uh, because your water's going to work just fine. Your electricity should work just fine. 
And uh, I had a meeting with the city about making sure the water plant stayed open. And it just so happens my nephew-in-law is the manager of the water plant. So I'm uh, pretty, pretty knowledgeable on, on this here. And by the way, we don't put uh, fluoride in our water in our city. I made sure that that didn't happen. Good. Uh, so, so, you know, what our friend uh, uh, Mike Adams uh, uh, said yesterday, he said, uh, there's going to be thousands of people that starve to death in their homes surrounded by toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> we need to buy, we buy food. Yeah, everybody's food buying right toilet paper. Now, you know, and, and yeah. So, so you need to have, and by the way, it's almost too late. Uh, the, the stores are already sold out of toilet paper and vitamin C and, and uh, you know, and cleaning products. Uh, but right now you need bags of rice and corn and beans and, and lots of canned goods. Uh, uh, you're going to need to be able to eat for 90 days and you don't want to have to leave your home. Uh, mm-hmm. I've met with my bank uh, and, and uh, on the board of the bank. And we've set up a system where we can continue uh, online banking even when the lobby's closed. So you need to make sure you get cash uh, 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 in your home because you may not be able to to uh, to go to your bank and, and, and have any bank services. So, uh, you know, I have a degree in nutrition, so I would be uh, amiss if I didn't recommend a nutritional regimen. So let me give that was going to be my right next now. question. I know you shared that with me yesterday as far as the best regimen for vitamins, minerals yeah. on a daily. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up, but yeah, please share that. There's an antiviral nutritional regimen that you should be on. There's a whole lot of other things. I'm gonna keep it real simple. It's four things that you need to be doing right now. Number one, you need to put yourself on about 4,000 milligrams of vitamin C. Now, vitamin C is a water-soluble vitamin, so you know it'll go out of your urine pretty quickly. So take half of it in the morning, half at night, Split it up a little bit. 4,000 milligrams of vitamin C. Second nutrient is vitamin D3. Tremendous antiviral nutrient. 4,000 IUs of vitamin D3. You can take it once a day. Uh, the third one is magnesium. Uh, 400 milligrams of magnesium a day. And again, take it once. And the final one is zinc. 50 milligrams of zinc a day. So if everyone that's listening to this does 4,000 milligrams of vitamin C, 4,000 IUs of vitamin D3, 400 milligrams of magnesium, and 50 milligrams of zinc, they give their body a tremendous antiviral environment and also a tremendous anti-inflammation, inflammatory environment. And so... Uh, I highly recommend everybody gets on those things immediately and it, it will equip them to avoid infection. And if they get it to fight the infection. It's good. That's good news. Juan, I know you are a fellow believer. We love our, we love God. We we're thankful for Jesus. And uh, at the beginning and the end of the day, regardless of, uh, of what happens, it is nice to know that, our, our future is secure. Our family's future is secure. And for those of you that don't have that reassurance, it's a simple accepting of who Jesus was, is, and who he wants to be in your life. And you can ask him in at any moment and just uh, accept his sacrifice for us. And I can tell you the peace that I have from knowing that passes all understanding. And then in the natural, obviously, I want to do everything that I'm hearing Gary share with us today on how we can be, uh, how we can best combat this thing and see hopefully is as limited to none um, of, of 
danger or damage to our families and our friends as possible. So, Gary, I'd like to. Was there anything else you want to add to this? Uh, I want to amen that. You know, people are only teachable when they suffer sufficiently. Hmm. This is going to be a tremendous opportunity for witnessing. Now, unfortunately, one of my one of my guidelines is we need to cancel all church services. And uh, I was on the uh, Jim Baker program this morning, <laughs> appealing to the pastors, you know, this Sunday it, from the pulpit, uh, you need to give them these guidelines on how to protect themselves. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we shouldn't be gathering in any kind of environment, including church as of now, but certainly not after Sunday. So uh, 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 let's take that additional time and spend it in prayer and in witnessing to those people that are in fear at the moment. Yes. And so many amazing churches, my church from Reading, uh, Bethel.tv, you can stream their services online. So many churches, they have that available. And, you know, with as many people hopefully self-quarantining, they'll be looking for something to do. Hopefully they'll tune in to a good church and hear a good message that uh, that resonates with them and then begin to build a strong relationship with their creator so that they can also know him as, a, as the good father that we do. So, Gary, thank you so Amen. much, my brother, for joining me today. It was my great pleasure, David. You're doing great stuff. God bless you. Thank you. I, I, I'd like to have you on again. It sounds like you'll be self-quarantined there in your ranch. Um, I won't be bringing you any steaks, but uh, hopefully I'll, I'll love to bring you back on in a few weeks and we'll see where we're at and then uh, and then take it from there. I'll see you on the other side. All right, brother. That sounds good. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Friends, there you have it. I wanted to bring the information to you. I spoke to Gary about this yesterday and it was alarming to me. I think that we all need to understand that we are we need to do more personally, be more personally responsible to try to help flatten this curve so that we as a country come out of this uh, less uh, less damage than uh, than if we had the uh, the mindset that it's not a big deal like I see a lot of individuals on social media just saying oh it's just like the flu you heard enough here today to let you know it is not just like the flu please share this episode share this broadcast with family with friends let's all pray for the best hope for the best and do what we can in the natural to help get through this thing together as best we can so god bless you thank you once again for joining me today and we'll see you next time bye bye